Hello, my name is Scott Mallory, and this is episode 31 of the Policy Matters podcast, Let Them Speak. Again, my name is Scott Mallory. I am counsel in SIFAR Sacramento office. And with us today for the second time is we are super excited to welcome back Robert Siva from our New York office here today to speak about the Speak Out Act, which is interesting in that it is kind of a follow-up to our previous conversation, or I should say our previous podcast, on the Ending Force Arbitration Act regarding sexual harassment. Well, hey, Scott, thanks so much for having me back. I'm, I'm excited to be back. It is an absolute pleasure to have Rob. He has done such a great job with us in, in sort of breaking down these sort of difficult pieces of legislation, and we'll get to specifically what this act does. Uh, at the end of 2020, in December, uh, President Biden signed the what's called the Speak Out Act. Now, his signature on this act was somewhat under the radar, and I think that might be because the uh, omnibus spending bill at that time was also getting negotiated and signed. And I think that uh, took up a lot of the oxygen of the media talking heads who are out there talking about legislation. The measure, the Speak Out Act, renders unenforceable, importantly, is unenforceable, but not illegal, right? That's an important distinction. It renders unenforceable non-disclosure agreements signed prior to any sexual harassment dispute. So, for example, right, a person gets a new job, is onboarding with a new employer, and signs a non-disclosure agreement, that non-disclosure agreement would not be operable, right, to sort of silence an employee making any kind of sexual harassment allegation after signing that NDA. This measure sort of represents the second big legislative victory for what everybody calls the hashtag MeToo movement. Now, this is not to say that this is really like the first legislative victory for the Me Too movement. Indeed, at the state level here in California, we've had some kind of legislation similar to both the Speak Out Act and the Ending Forced Arbitration Act for quite some time. But this is really the first time legislation has materialized at the federal level. Also worth noting is that this measure was inspired, at least in part, by not only the Ending Force Arbitration Act, which Rob and I spoke about a few months ago, but also by uh, Gretchen Carlson's experience at Fox News. Her and her group have been lobbying for federal legislation about transparency and sort of sexual harassment allegations in the workplace. Funnily enough, this legislation, though, would not have really permitted Gretchen Carlson to speak out about her experiences with sexual harassment because she was precluded from speaking about her, the conduct she alleged by an NDA that was signed post-dispute as part of a settlement agreement, right? Not pre-dispute, so it would not actually be applicable. But again, this is still an important step for Gershon Carlson's group in pressing legislation to make allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace a little more transparent. And we'll get to uh, the relevant provisions of the measure, but I did want to quickly note that the original version of the bill used the term lawsuit instead of pre-dispute, right? So it actually was amended out that lawsuit language so that you could then settle a case with someone alleging sexual harassment and still have a non-disclosure agreement as long as it wasn't pre-dispute, right? So Rob, now we'll finally get to you. During the last podcast on the Ending Forced Arbitration Act, you made a really good point. You you corrected me about what they really want, like what the defense bar would really want is consistency and knowing what can be arbitrated and what can't be arbitrated. 
the Speak Out Act, and so here's kind of your opportunity to maybe not correct me, but sort of push a better narrative, I guess to say, is that the Speak Out Act isn't really that big of a deal, right? It won't cause the same kind of sea change in the uh, employment landscape as the Ending Forced Arbitration Act did. Thanks, Scott. No, that's that's true. I think the way I would look at it a little bit is I think the Speak Out Act is considered to be an important development legislatively in furthering the you know objectives and creating protections for victims of, of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And I think those are very important. And I think regardless of which side of the uh, equation, plaintiff, defendant or whoever you fall on, those are important and positive steps uh, that we can all get behind. I think the important thing from our perspective, meaning the the defense perspective, in working with employers that basically have the question of like, what do we need to do to comply? What does this mean? And what do we need to do? The answer generally is that, as you correctly said, the law effectively renders non-disclosure and non-disparagement provisions in various contracts, wherever they may be, unenforceable as opposed to illegal, which means... Effectively, if you have an employee that has an agreement with either a non-disparagement or a confidentiality clause, that provision and that agreement cannot be used against an employee who is bringing forward allegations of whether it's sexual harassment or sexual misconduct or or any of the, the covered kind of protections. So employers are still able to settle cases. Employers are still able to enter into agreements with individuals who, who have these allegations. And there, the important thing to know is that the effort that is put into a lot of confidentiality clauses really focuses on on a couple of things. What I tend to hear time and time again is that there is a concern about, you know, how much is the plaintiff being paid in a settlement? And the reason that's important is because the concern is creating an incentive. Nobody wants to create an incentive on the employer side for individuals to create allegations or create claims or create lawsuits when there are none because there is some theoretical pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. If I make accusations, I'm going to make a ton of money. I think that would really undermine everybody's goals and and, and a lot of protections of, of employees that exist. Another aspect of confidentiality provisions and settlements, for example, is a lot of employers are concerned that once accusations are made, things are brought to light, corrective action, you know, is, is, is usually taken. But the concern oftentimes is, for example, you know, whether it's bashing, bashing on social media, whether it's this sort of ongoing rhetoric vilifying the, the employer or, you know, what happened when oftentimes in these types of situations, the problem is very isolated if there is a problem and it's usually addressed swiftly and efficiently. So these types of considerations exist. And ultimately tying this back to the Speak Out Act, the law itself doesn't prevent this dynamic. Employers and employees can still reach you know, a, a mutually agreeable solution to, to whatever the claims or allegations that are brought. It doesn't prevent people from reaching these agreements. But the main function of the Speak Out Act is to prevent the use of sort of these pre-dispute, meaning early on you sign a blanket confidentiality agreement or a non-disparagement clause in, in some kind of agreement, and then down the road, it's, that cannot be used against an employee who's saying, I was sexually assaulted or I was sexually harassed or or any of the other types of protections that exist under this law. 
Yeah, so I think that what you're speaking to there is actually relevant to the way that the term lawsuit was amended out of the legislation and replaced with the term dispute. It sort of gave the employer community a little bit more room to engage in those negotiations, correct? Absolutely. And, and, you know, from my perspective, you know, we're talking about the law as it was passed and that was written. And I think that's that's helpful background and, and, and a good backdrop. Um, but as written, you're right. It, it doesn't necessarily create any obvious frustration to the process of trying to enter into a whether it's a settlement agreement of a lawsuit, whether it's a separation agreement as part of a, a layoff or something like that. Those options still remain intact. So before it was amended, though, you would have to have someone file a lawsuit before you could take advantage of, you know, requiring a non-disclosure agreement or an NDA. But with the with the amendment, it became just a dispute. So it could be an internal complaint or, like you said, some sort of severance agreement with terms. So, Rob, we've seen like Congress definitely legislating transparency and sexual harassment when it comes to NDAs, when it comes to arbitration. In California, uh, via what's SB 331, that piece of legislation took basically the Ending Forced Arbitration and Speak Out Act and applied it to all forms of harassment based on characteristics, right? So race discrimination or harassment, gender discrimination or harassment, age discrimination or harassment, disability discrimination or harassment. That's happened in California. Do you see that happening on a federal level as well? I know that a lot of this was inspired by Gretchen Carlson and sort of the sexual harassment issues, but do you see, do you think that this will move the same way it did in California? So I, I appreciate the question, Scott. And um, for my insights, I will tell you, this is, you know, my opinion and, you know, my crystal ball has, uh, you know, runs on questionable batteries. So we'll, we'll see if uh, we'll, we'll see if that comes true. But no, I don't expect that on the federal level, the yeah. law will go th- that far. And primarily because the states that were looking to pass those types of restrictions, whether it was California, a couple of the East Coast states that that really acted swiftly after the Me Too movement began, those already happened and those protections already exist in those states. On the federal level, the upside is that, you know, we can have broad based protections across the entire nation. The downside is that those protections have to factor in different stakeholders and different geographies and with different sensibilities desiring the different outcomes. So we needing to be sensitive to that. I'm not sure that we're going to go that far on the federal level. But that said, the challenge to this sort of on a conceptual level is that nobody's really arguing that we should create a lack of transparency. Nobody's arguing against these positive developments. Nobody's saying that victims should be suppressed or anything like that. Far from it. But a lot of times what these laws create are hurdles to parties being able to resolve disputes efficiently and being able to use, you know, whatever tools are available to them effectively. That's sometimes the real rub. As you pointed out with an earlier version of the Speak Out Act, that would have taken a a process that can be navigated relatively relatively well with experienced individuals, you know, on either side, experienced counsel on either side, uh, experienced, you know, with somebody who's conducting an investigation, what have you. That is all something that's very manageable and easily tailored to each individual situation. When we create these rules, it limits our ability to do that. And again, nobody's arguing in favor of a lack of transparency or in favor of sexual harassment or nobody's trying to like, no, we don't want these laws because we want to sexually harass people more. Quite the opposite. But the regulation limits the flexibility and the ability to really 
tailor a solution to a specific circumstance that's happening. Yeah, that's so interesting. That that kind of federal broad legislation makes it very difficult. It's because, as you know, businesses operate differently in Alabama than they do in Washington State. Thank you so much for having us. I'll just I just want to note on this point real quick. I also don't see this moving into other forms of of harassment as well, particularly because, and this is drawing on from my previous life as a political consultant, is there's just not the same lobbying effort currently that sort of Carlson Carlson's group and other sort of Me Too advocacy groups have really pushed Congress to legislate in this area. And there's a dearth of a similar lobbying effort to push this into other areas of sort of protected characteristics. So on that note, Rob, thank you again so much for joining us. It is always such a pleasure to have you. And we will see you for the next episode where I believe we will be discussing the FTC's proposed rules on banning non-compete agreements. Thank Perfect, you. Scott. Thank you. Always a pleasure being here and, uh, and chatting. I look forward to the next time. Thanks. Thank you.